Welcome to Income for Baby Boomers. If you want to learn about exciting new businesses each week from other boomers who speak your language and have started a unique and profitable business from home, you have come to the right place. For those who would like to try some of these low investment opportunities, stay tuned. We'll help you get started in your own profitable adventure. Now with your host and entrepreneur, Ken Queen. Good evening, everyone. I have Aaron Marcus on the phone, actor, model, mentor, and many other things. Welcome, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me, Ken. Good to figure out our technical situation there. <laughs> we're, we're rolling now. That's good. Well, let's just jump right into it, Aaron. When did you first get your entrepreneurial bug? What age or what uh, got you to start on this journey? Well, you know, I, I think even from a young age, I knew I'd like to do things on my own. I knew that I'd like to have some control in my life. I don't know. I was always like a very independent kind of person. And so being an entrepreneur just seemed like it fit in well with my personality, even from a young age. And did you have uh, entrepreneurial parents or grandparents? Yeah, actually, actually, I did. My uh, father and mother, they both opened up a store on their own. You know, even as a kid, I, I remember doing things on my own, whether it was selling candy uh, to students at school or I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. But when there were gas lines many years ago, I uh, got together with a couple of friends and we would walk up and down the street and sell coffee to people who were sitting in their cars, you know, at three o'clock in the morning and newspapers. Oh, and yes, yes. and so I, I've always had that kind of love with the unknown, of not knowing what's going to happen. There's always something very exciting about that for me. My kind of man. <laughs> I'm, I'm similar in that way. So back in those early days, whatever age that was, uh, were there any particular uh, books that you were reading that influenced you? No, I really was not a reader. My reading comprehension has never been very good. So I really always learned from other people to me, you know, look, everybody has their own learning style. Some people can pick up a manual and fix the sink very easily. That's not my style. I can watch somebody do it, and then I can learn how to do it that way. And so I've always been a, a person who likes to ask questions. I guess I'm one of the few guys who will ask people directions when I'm driving. And so that, that's really how I've always learned. I found people who were successful. I found people who were kind enough to offer information. And that's really how I've done things. And I'm just curious on that point is, uh, did you often go by consensus? You'd ask two or three people and decide what you thought about it? Yeah, or? yeah actually, and that's a really good point. And it even holds true as I did and still take acting lessons. Because like with any kind of business, you know, you, you don't just, at least I don't think, you should just stop because you think you know everything. If you get to that point, I think it's time to get out. And, to get out. <laughs> and so what I have always done is And I've never believed that there is only one path for anything. And so I study, I've studied with a lot of different people, with different methods, different styles, different ideas. And what I will do is I'll take something from one person that fits and seems right for me and take something else from somebody else. And so it's always a, a real mishmash. I mean, even although it, just to be very, very clear about this. When I was studying martial arts and it didn't last very long, okay. uh, no, I mean, I loved it. I, it just so happens I was working a lot. I was working on a TV show and I just couldn't 
commit myself to it. But even even for that, I studied with somebody who did the exact same thing. He it wasn't one specific method. It wasn't one specific way of doing things. It was a real mishmash, really, of many, many different styles and philosophies. And I don't know, to me, that just seems like a very smart way to do things. And you don't get locked in to having to do one thing because, you know, for, for most people, one size doesn't fit all. That's good. Okay, so I'm just trying to get the psychology of, of how you think. So, because a lot of. Oh, wait, wait, wait. The psychology well, of how I think. Well, do we have like, you know, like 28 hours here that we can sit <laughs> and after the sick, you know, 45 minutes, you're going to say, okay, well, I'd like to talk with you again next week. And thank you very much. And, I'm going to try to boil it down to a few things if we can. Okay. You know, basically, some of the folks that are listening are baby boomers. They've been in corporate world all their life. Now they're going to step into the entrepreneurial world, either because they need money or they can't stand sitting at home any longer and they want to do something constructive. And so I'm just, uh, you know, trying to get how different entrepreneurs are thinking so that uh, others can say, okay, that's how you start a project or that's how you get into a new field. Well, you know what, the, and, if I could interrupt for one second, but let, me, yes, let, me, let me touch on that because and I think this will be something that will really hit home for a lot of people listening to this. At one point in my life, I was pretty close to being a physical therapist. And I went back to school for a second time and I was taking all my prerequisites for physical therapy school. And it was something that I thought I would love doing. I loved learning about the body. I loved working with people. And after volunteering, I think it was about 300 hours at different orthopedic situations and PT offices, mm -hmm. I started to see that as much as I loved the information the day-to-day -day work itself didn't turn me on. And so for you know other people who might be considering a job or are in a job, and you know, if you start having these nightmares about what am I gonna be doing this for the rest of my life, you know, and and yes. so basically while I was taking all these prerequisites for physical therapy school, I was actually working very part-time as an actor and a commercial model. And after doing that for two years on a part-time basis and started having all these second thoughts and doubts and concerns about what my life would turn into, even though I, I knew I could be very successful, I was already making contacts with orthopedic surgeons and people were saying, as soon as you get out, let me know, love to be able to, you know, send people your way. And, you know, I was, once again, I'm thinking an entrepreneur, I, you know, start my own practice, but I just decided I did not want to make a bunch of money, but be miserable in my life. And Good decision. Yeah, it really was. And so that's when I decided to make a complete change and decide, you know what? I'm really liking acting and modeling. It's really, it's, it's, it's very exciting for me. It's fun. Uh, I love doing the work itself. I love the process of it. And it just, it excited me. And so I decided I was going to give myself one year to test it out. And, and I know that for a lot of business people, and maybe I just don't have a really good business sense uh, in this way, most, most of the time when people are starting a business, 
they really map things out. They really have this game plan. They have certain markers that they expect to hit, and they have ways of analyzing things. I just decided I'm going to do this for one year full-time. I want to see if I like the work, doing it on a full-time basis, if I can get work, and if I can stomach not having a steady income. And so I didn't have real benchmarks for myself or, like I was saying before, specific landmarks, but it was really more of a just kind of feeling it out for the year. And that was 1986, and that's what I've been doing since then. So for, for people who are feeling either stuck in a job, and trust me, I, I would never say to somebody you know, who has a family and a mortgage and kids with mm -hmm. braces and possibly kids going to school. Hey, quit your job. Do something that's fun in your life. I mean, that, that would be irresponsible. And I don't think that would be a really smart thing to just drop things immediately and just walk out. But, you know, maybe you can start doing something that intrigues you, that you find interesting on a part-time basis. And, and I can tell you, for anybody who has any interest in acting or modeling, and, and just to kind of add in there, normally when somebody hears model, everybody thinks about fashion modeling. And, and almost everybody that I work with started off with, I, I can't be a model. Are you kidding me? You know, I'm already in my 40s. I'm in my 50s, even my late 30s. I'm not tall enough. My body's not perfect enough. I'm not, you know, beautiful enough. What people don't realize is that the majority of modeling work out there has nothing to do with fashion, has nothing to do with runways. The commercial models, which is the biggest part of the modeling industry and available everywhere, those are the sometimes beautiful, but most likely the regular looking people who can portray the doctor, the lawyer, the real estate agent, the banker, the mom. Uh, the teacher, the nurse, in you know, in ads in magazines, brochures, on billboards, on the sides of buses, on the internet, and so if that is of any interest to you, and you thought, well, maybe that's something you know I've always thought about doing, but you know I can't do that, you know I've got a family, you know for that kind of work, it doesn't take a tremendous time commitment. You know you could go out and do a job for two hours and be back at work and things like that. So. If the interest is there, at least explore it, check it out. And then if you ever get to a point where, you know, you would like to stop, you know, doing your regular daytime job and look into other things, you know, that, that, that would be fine. But like I was saying, I mean, most people I know have full-time jobs or they're full-time students and, and they do acting and modeling on a very part-time basis. Now, I say we have someone listening. They're 60 years old and say, "Well, I've never done any acting. I'm not good looking. Uh, what are the chances of them getting accepted if they can speak well? And uh, you know, what are the chances of them getting work, finding work?" Well, you know, it all depends on what kind of work you're looking at. So, for somebody who has never studied before, you know, speaking well is nice and that's helpful. But that doesn't necessarily in any way make you a good actor. Okay. You know, what makes you a good actor is being able to take written words that are given to you and make them sound conversational, which, you know, it sounds easy. 
And one of the reasons why it even looks easy when you're watching television shows or movies is because the people are so phenomenal and people are really good. Natural. You know, yeah, even television commercials, you know, so many times, you know, I've spoken with people and they say, oh, it's simple. You know, you stand there, you say a couple of lines. Let me tell you, it's not as easy as it looks. So for people who and forget the age part and forget the, uh, the part about being able to speak well, but just, just to speak about the age, you always see ads with people in their 60s. You know, you see yes. us in magazines and newspapers all over the place. You see us doing tons of pharmaceutical ads. As a matter of fact, in the commercial modeling world, that's where the money still is. It's in the pharmaceutical ads. So a couple of a couple of things to, to answer that question. Look, there are some people out there who are just naturals. Now, that's that's more rare than than, uh, you know, the typical successful actor. But, you know, you could always start off by doing extra work. And extra work means if they're shooting a television show, they're shooting a commercial, they're shooting a film, they need people who do not have lines and people who are creating an atmosphere in the scene. So if a you know famous actor is walking down the street, well, they're going to need other people you know, in most cases. So it looks like a real street with humans walking around. Mm-hmm. And you get paid, you know, pretty well for for being an extra. You also get fed really well on sets. But uh, that would be a great way to at least get your feet wet a little bit, get a sense of what it's like, of what goes on. And also networking with other people, finding out who are the agents in the area. Uh, at some point, you're going to want to put together what's called a headshot, which is a picture of yourself so people can see what you look like photographed. Um, you know, and then, you know, eventually I would say you want to take some acting classes. And I'm not saying you've got to, you know, go to some, you know, go to uh, um, Yale drama school or anything like that. But, you know, maybe find a local teacher, somebody who can teach you some of the basic skills that you will need to have and try to audition and do some theater you know, locally, whether it's community theater or, you know, any kind of local theater that's available for you. And those are great ways to at least get started, even without much experience. And yes, I mean, there are plenty of people who get work without any kind of training. Well, that's great. So you don't have to have a background in that area and age doesn't matter because commercials need every type of age right now i wouldn't say that age doesn't matter but there is work for everybody and the crazy thing is like for instance sometimes when i'm and i do a lot of online mentoring with people sometimes i might be working with somebody's daughter who you know might be 15 16 17 years old the reality is the 35 or 40 year old mom actually has many more opportunities to work in the industry than the 17-year-old. So, I mean, I find, especially in the commercial world, as you get older, there actually is more work available to you. Now, being you know 60 or 40, you probably have more opportunities at age 40. But, you know, like we were saying, I mean, there's, there's plenty of work out there. But I would... Um, I would try to get some some training as soon as you can, but certainly for extra work, 
you do not have to have any acting skills at all. To show up. You've got to show up. You've got to be able to take direction. You have to make sure you don't hang out at craft services all day, which is where all the junk food is. And look, it is helpful so that if you are in a scene that, you know, where something, let's say you're at a funeral. Well, you know, it would be really helpful to everybody if you could portray some kind of sadness in a believable way, if that's the appropriate response, you know, in that particular scene. Yes. Uh, but, you know, for, for the most part, you know, if they're shooting uh, a scene at a stadium and they, you know, just cast 300 people, you know, no, you don't have to be Laurence Olivier or, uh, you know, any kind of great actor in order to do that kind of work. Now, would you uh, try to take your background and then apply it to the different uh, opportunities out there. If you were a, a, an attorney in your past life, you're retired now, you may want to apply for all the uh, ads and opportunities that, that need an attorney. Hey, if you if you are a retired attorney, you've been an actor for many years, and you're probably oh, okay. <laughs> and you're probably a good one skilled, or a bad one. <laughs> a very good one. You're probably <laughs> extremely skilled. Um, you know, being able, especially, I guess, certainly depending on what type of law you did, but, you know, if you're doing any kind of courtroom work, I mean, you know, being able to uh, improvise, being able to think on your feet, being able to talk to a jury, um, I mean, those things are, you know, incredible skills to have. But, you know, I, you know, on a resume, certainly you would put on there, you know, a lawyer, you know, an attorney, um, so that people know, just like if you, you know, are a doctor, were a doctor, you know, those things can really come in handy. And, and certainly not to say that I'm, you know, so proficient, but I can tell you, tell you that even with the couple of years that I spent taking anatomy and physiology and even zoology and biology, when I do training films, uh, which are educational films and they deal with the medical profession, you know, it's a lot easier for me because a, a lot of the stuff makes sense to me. I know a lot of the terminology. And so, yeah, absolutely. Whatever you are doing in, in your life, whatever skills you have, those are things that you, you're going to be able to bring to life as an actor as well. So anyone with past corporate experience and having to speak in front of groups all the time and a lot of interaction are probably pretty natural for, for acting well, but and see, for modeling. But see, once again, Ken, I, 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 would, I would sidestep that a little bit because there really is a huge difference between someone being able to, which is a real skill to have, don't get me wrong, because most people are scared to death to talk in front of a group of people, especially True. a smaller group. Sometimes I, I've heard that people feel more comfortable talking to a thousand people than 10, uh, maybe because there's that personal interaction with the smaller group that you, you kind of get lost in with the uh, larger group. But, you know, just being able to speak to a large group or a group, that, that's a, it's a good skill to have. But there's a big difference between that and being given a script and making it sound believable, making it sound real, being able to react to the other actor who's talking back 
to you. Those are very different skill sets. So I, I'm not dismissing that it can be helpful, but I wouldn't jump to the conclusion that somebody who's been a manager, somebody who's, you know, uh, uh, somebody who runs a company and has had to talk to a lot of people, I wouldn't necessarily in, in any way say, oh, well, then they must be a good actor. I've got you. So someone that was a housewife and they're 60 years old and have never really done anything or someone who's always worked in the back warehouse and has never really been out front, when it comes to the acting skill and the modeling skill, they may do just as good or better than than the other case. Yeah, you never you never know. There was a woman that I was doing a private session with and she... I'm guessing she's probably in her late 50s, and she had done a couple of things, really not that many things. She didn't have a whole lot of training. I mean, we worked together a little bit, and believe me, I'm not saying that it was because of my training with her, but she happened to audition for a national television commercial, and it's one that most people have seen. It's a pharmaceutical thing, and she just made, last year, she made over $50,000 from a television commercial. From one commercial? Yeah, one commercial. And she was happy because she nice. was feeling better after popping these pills. So uh, now she you know, showed it in a very believable way, and they liked her look. And so you know, sometimes that's what it's all about as well, is, you know, is your look. And as a matter of fact, in, in, in most cases, that's what even just gets you the audition. It's your, you know, it's your particular look. So look. It's like with any business, the more you study, the more practice you have, the better your skills, the better the chances are you're going to have success. But there are exceptions to the rule. And there are people who've done you know, very little in the way of academic training and studying with people in both the acting and the modeling world who've really done some pretty amazing things. And uh, but certainly you're going to have a much better chance of success if you do study. Now, if you take someone that's maybe been uh, real estate, insurance, sales, let's say someone that's had a lot of sales background, uh, what do you? I mean, are they? Once again, those would be incredible skills to have because you know you could be auditioning all over the place for the salesperson you know you could be doing uh once again training they're called training films corporate films educational films where you are the life insurance agent having said that you still have to learn how to be able to take the written word and make it sound believable let me give you a perfect uh, real life uh, example so okay. i've done a lot of training films and it could be any any for anybody from uh, the United States Navy. Uh, I had to get a secret clearance uh, for some films that I did, and or it could be for the National uh, Education Association. You know, it could really run the gamut. So I got called in this a few years ago for the United States Navy to play the role of a psychiatrist, and. Uh, when I got to the set, the director said, hey, just wanted to let you know, we really already shot this entire film. And I said, OK, so why <laughs> why are we doing this? He said, well, yes. the guy that we hired was a civilian psychiatrist who works for the Navy, but he's a civilian. The problem was he just wasn't believable on camera. So here was a guy who was 
a psychiatrist. But <laughs> was the very he was the guy, but he just wasn't able to deliver the lines in a way where he looked believable. So there are techniques that you want to learn so that when you are talking to other actors or to the camera, you're able to say things in a really, uh, in a very natural way, uh, that you're able to make the words flow as if you're just having a regular talk with somebody. And, you know, that's something that takes practice, you know, something that, uh, People spend time working on so that they look believable. All right. Good. Good. Um, let's just go through uh, back for a minute. So before you actually got did your first acting jobs, what did you do, do in between? You were doing the... Um, uh, you were going to become a, a therapist, yeah. massage therapist? Yeah, well, be, be, be one step before that. So basically, and not that the, look, I can tell you my life, it really isn't all that interesting, but I'll just, just to give you a little, little bit of background. Well, just because some people are saying, I don't have the right background. So I want them to know your background sure. and say, well, you've been exceptionally successful with your background, and so maybe they could be too. Sure, okay. So, so basically, uh, when I started college, I had no idea what I was going to do. And I was taking classes that sounded interesting to me. And it was everything from uh, psychology to music um, to uh, history classes. And I just took things that sounded neat to me. And then I really got interested in music and I started studying music in school. And I had to switch schools uh, to where they had a music major program. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to stop going to school and I decided I wanted to be a musician. And I did that for six years and I was performing on stage. So up until this point, except for doing a high school play, I had mm -hmm. no uh, training whatsoever and really no experience. I had no training, but I had no experience except for a high school play or two. And... Um, I did. Uh, I performed uh, working as a songwriter with my brother for six years. And when he decided he really didn't like performing and he didn't like the traveling because we did a lot of touring. Um, that's when I decided, well, I've got to think of something that I've got to do for the rest of my life. So that's mm -hmm. when I went back to school and start looking into physical therapy. So I kind of did things backwards. Um, Basically, I started working as an actor and a model with no training. And and at what age at that point? Uh, I was and I'm just kind of guessing I would guess like around 27, something like that. Right. It's not like I was a young kid, you know, just getting started. Hmm. And uh, and I'll never forget when when uh, I went to meet with an agent for the first time. And I, I hadn't done any acting or modeling, and I met with an agent, and she said, well, uh, well, let me ask, so, so what, what TV shows, what movies, what commercials have you done? And I said, I haven't done any. And she said, well, look, the people that we work with are experienced, people who've had a lot of training and things like that. She said, so thank you very much. And I was about ready to leave, and, and I was about to walk out the door, and she said, well, look, while you're here, why don't you read some copy for me? And I said, okay. Now, I didn't know that copy meant the words to a TV commercial. Mm -hmm. I, I agreed to it, but I had no idea what she was saying. Right. So she handed me a piece of paper, 
and I had enough sense to say, hey, I'll tell you what, can I just have a couple minutes to look at this? So I went out in the hallway and my hands were shaking. I was scared mm-hmm. to death. And, you know, I'm reading the copy and I'm looking at it and I walked back in and I read it for her. And she said, actually, you know what? That was pretty good. She said, you know, you should put together a headshot. And I didn't know what a headshot was. And I said, sure. I said, can you tell me like where? And so she gave me the names of a couple of photographers. I put together a headshot. And that's how I actually got started. And I, I worked for two years on a part-time basis, I guess that was 1984 to 86, uh, while I was a full-time student, and I was going by instinct, just natural instincts. I had no idea about uh, techniques, about strategies, about ways of preparation, how to work with photographers, how to analyze the copy or scripts, nothing, just going on instincts. And, and actually, I was having some success with it, which was pretty amazing to me. And then when I decided I wanted to really pursue this, that's when I decided that, you know what, if I really want to do this, I, I, I've got to learn what I'm doing because I have no idea what I'm doing. And so that's when I began to study. And that's so so I really I did things backwards, but I'm sure there are a lot of people who are in a very similar situation uh, to me. Where, you know, they, you know, like I said, full time student, they have a full time job, they really don't have much of a background, but they think they might have some kind of personality that might allow them to do this kind of work. And um, so, you know, if the interest is there, absolutely, you know, go after it. And uh, I mean, I like I said before, I work with a lot of people online with my mentoring programs where I really help prepare people who have had no experience whatsoever and get them to a point where they can start meeting with agents. Okay, now one of the maybe objections some people out there, listeners are saying, well, I live in Clearwater, Florida. I don't live in Los Angeles or New York. Yeah, and that's a great point, and I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Here's the deal. There is a tremendous amount of work in Los Angeles. There's a tremendous amount of work in New York. There's a lot of work in Chicago. There's a lot of work in Miami. And let me just tell you, some of the most fun and enjoyable jobs I've ever done have come out of small markets, out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania, out of Cleveland, Ohio, out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, out of Richmond, Virginia. Mm. Uh, Look, just because you don't live in a major market, just because the photographer who is thinking about working with you or the people from the ad agency who are considering hiring you have chosen not to live in New York or L.A. doesn't mean they're not incredible, doesn't mean they aren't phenomenal. Look, I work in New York and I can tell you, although the water is pretty good there, there is nothing special in that water that makes you talented. Most of the talented people in New York have come from smaller markets and they've decided to go to New York because that is where the bigger projects happen. But there is work all across the United States, and you would be amazed as to how much work there is, even in secondary markets. I mean, I remember shooting, and and I don't know exactly how far you are from Orlando, but look, Orlando has work. It's not New York. It's not L.A., but I remember doing a print, a national print ad for Disney World. 
uh, down there. And I know there's there's other work down there also. I can also just tell you, and this is a little bit on the side note, Atlanta is huge right now in the acting world. Mm. It's it's really considered outside of New York, Hollywood of the East. Uh, I I just recently shot two television shows down there, shot a feature film down there, and they're they're building sound stages. So if anybody has you know uh, any kind of access to getting into Atlanta, that's a, just a great market right now. But you know there are ways that that you can actually market yourself and get work on your own, even in smaller markets. So the local uh, dentist, the local uh, chiropractor doesn't want to be in a one-minute commercial, but they need someone to be in that commercial. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of business owners who like to see themselves in commercials, and that takes away jobs from actors. Um, but you, you're, you're 100% correct. There are tons of businesses that hire actors, uh, whether it's for their store or in the medical world or for the local hospital. And and I can tell you, just to give some some real specific information, what people can do, if you are living in a secondary market, and secondary just means it, it's outside of the major markets in the United mm-hmm. States, and you want to try to market yourself. Now, this is assuming that you've got the right materials. You've got a great photo because you need to send something to people. People need mm-hmm. to see what you look like photographed. So once you have the right materials and you feel like you are ready, you can contact any of the local advertising agencies in your area. The two people that you want to contact are either the creative director, who is the person who comes up with the concept for the ad campaign, or the art director, the person who actually uh, puts the shot together so that people can see it and then they show it to the client. And there are many ways of finding uh, av- local advertising agencies. You can either go to the Chamber of Commerce. I'm sure they have a listing of advertising agencies in your area. There are a couple of associations then you can go to their website. One of them is it's aaaa.org. It's the American Association of Advertising Agencies. And see if there are any members in your particular area. Look, there could be tons of other ad agencies who've chosen not to be uh, in this association. But you could also do Google searches today, you know, and find advertising agencies. And you write a very short cover letter uh, to the art director, you know, or the creative director, get the, you know, get their names and just say, you know, I, I'd like to be considered for future TV commercials, commercial modeling ads, for voiceover work. Uh, here's how I can be reached and uh, send it off. You know, and and actually, I like the idea of which I know it's kind of weird today of actually dropping it in an envelope and putting it through the U.S. mail as opposed to just uploading a JPEG and sending it because you just don't know what happens with JPEGs. And a lot of times people will delete unsolicited attachments anyway. So I like sending hard copies to people. Uh, who I don't know. And that's just one of a number of ways where you can actually try to get work on your own and get it done locally. 
And so you could go to something like, well, you don't have to get approved by anyone, something like Fiverr, Fiverr.com. Right. But and say, I'm going to be a voiceover and see how many people like you and, and get a taste for it without, you know, uh, really any great investment. Right. So the only thing that you would need for something like that, like with Fiverr, and there are other uh, voiceover websites that you can go to. Uh, you could sell your services as a voiceover talent. You, the only thing that you will need, though, is you have to have the equipment to be able to record okay. the voiceovers. High quality. Yeah. No, although, but see, in today's time period, it's so crazy how little those things can cost. I mean, you could buy a really great microphone for $100. You can buy, free, buy you can get free voiceover programs and you can actually do these things on your computer and do easy edits. And yeah, I mean, there are people who charge, you know, the five dollars uh, to do a voiceover, uh, you know, for company. They do stuff. it in two minutes or five minutes. Yeah. You know, if, if you're good at it, absolutely. You can do that. Now, for somebody like me who's in the union, that's not the greatest thing in the world not for me to promote because that's taking away work for me. Right. But right. but. But you know what, and, and, I, and I'm not going to get on a pedestal here and talk about unions uh, very long, but just to say, look, I am a member of SAG-AFTRA. I've been a vested member for many years. I realize there, is t there, there, there are tons of non-union work out there, and I have no ill will towards people who want to pursue the non-union route. You know, people need to do what's best for them. And so, uh, anyhow, when, when you're in the union, though, you will have much more protection and you'll get paid a whole lot more money. Yes. But uh, look, there's a lot to be said, you know, for people, especially when you're just getting started. You know, and I would even as a union member, maybe I shouldn't be going on record with this, but I would say when you're first getting started, I wouldn't I wouldn't join the union. Uh, right then and there. You want to get as much experience as you can. And unfortunately, there's a lot more non-union work available than mm -hmm. union work. So I would stay non-union until you feel like you're really ready to join the union and or you are in an area where there's lots of union work. My brother does union work uh, for the film industry in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia in Canada. Yeah. And he I mean, if he works half the year, that's the max, and he makes fifty, sixty, seventy thousand a year. And 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 what what part of the industry is he in? He he sets up, he does the building of the props and all that. Yeah, he's just a really a glor glorified laborer. But I mean, I think he's like at least twenty five bucks an hour. And then of course they always do a twelve hour day, so he's a time and a half or double time and. I mean, he's lots of weeks. He makes two, three thousand dollars. Yep. I mean, it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, by the time all the bonuses and all the extras are in there. And, and you know, it, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because people don't even know about all the other aspects to the industry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've had people that I've worked with who've gone on to do very um, uh, different things than what we talked about. I mean, there are even people who are called location managers who, you know, these are people who want to be involved in the industry. They have no interest in being on camera. And what they do is they are the people who will go out and find the locations for a TV show or a film uh, to shoot at. So if, if 
you know, if there's a film coming to town and they need a house that's built in the 1950s for a certain scene, well, that's what they do. They go around, they search, they know the wow. city, and that's what they get hired to do. And it's really, it's, it's very interesting. Even on every, on every set, you have to have a medic. And so, you know, whenever I'm on sets, I mean, there, there are medics and that's what they do. They sit all day long. And if there is some kind of medical issue, they are there to take care of people. And otherwise they just sit and read. And, uh, I mean, who, who would ever think that, you know, an EMT or a medic would, you know, be involved in the industry, but, but they are, and they are really needed because sometimes accidents do happen, but there, there are so many different aspects of the industry that people, you know, probably never thought of, whether it's like you're saying, yes. you know, set building or, uh, you know, many other things. Uh, so if you're an actor and a medic, you really got it made. <laughs> <laughs> and you know your city really well. And you can negotiate with people about letting them use your house, which I don't necessarily recommend because when you think about how many times your toilets are going to be flushed that day when you've got, you know, mm -hmm. a crew of 50, you know, and all these actors. and uh, <laughs> So when they give you uh, two or three hundred dollars, it wasn't such a great deal. <laughs> yeah, your water bill is going to go up dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. That's funny. All right. Uh, let me ask you then this. Uh, the, uh, have you uh, mentored some people that were baby boomer ages that have gone on and done well? Yeah. I mean, I, I have. You know, quite often, I have no idea where people end up. And like I was just mentioning, this one woman who, who I worked with, I mean, from one television commercial, she made $50,000, which was pretty unbelievable. Yes, and, that is. But see, I also have to say for most people in the industry and most of the people that I work with, it's not about the money. It really isn't. And, and I can tell you for anybody who goes into the acting or modeling industry solely for the, the financial end of it is I think they're going to be really disappointed because it's hard to make money in the industry. I mean, I'm talking about a lot of money. You know, we hear about the people, you know, who, who get 30, 40 million dollars for a feature film or they're making a million dollars an episode on television. But, you know, those those are the rare exceptions to the rule. And for most people, it, what it's really about is, you know, seeing yourself in an ad being in a movie, even if you're just an extra and maybe when the film comes out, you know, you see your face behind somebody, mm -hmm. you know, for, for most people, that's really what it's all about. And, and, uh, and even for me, look, it's my full-time job, but still it's the, the financial end of it is not my number one thing. As a matter of fact, something that, that I talk about is when I go to an audition my number one goal is not booking the job. And, and I think this is something that will be very helpful to people as well, because I, I think it really relates to anything that you do, forgetting acting or modeling. But when you're going to an interview, any kind of interview, and you're trying mm -hmm. to land a job, I highly recommend don't make booking the job your number one priority, because not only does it put an incredible amount of pressure on you, I think mm -hmm. it can really negatively affect your meeting with the people. So my number one goal for every audition I go to is to have a good time. 
That's my goal. Now, maybe sometimes traveling, like when I had a callback, which meant I did an initial audition, and then after the initial audition, which I did on tape, then they wanted to see me in person because uh, they, they liked it. They were considering me. And when I drove uh, about 12 hours to get to the callback, that mm-hmm. part of it really isn't so much fun. But the two minutes that I had at the callback, that was fun for me. And, and I know for a fact that when I walk into a room for a callback or even just for the initial audition, it's like going to a party. And the thing is, everybody wants to have a good time at the party. But unfortunately, most of the guests that come in are nervous. They are scared. They act out, and no pun intended, in many, many different ways. They start acting instead of just being human beings. And that will really negatively affect the outcome. So what I do is, and I, once again, I would use the same technique, whether I'm trying to get a job at a, you know, with a corporation or I'm going into audition you know, for a role. I just want to have a good time. I want to relax everybody. I want to feel relaxed. I'm not saying that, that I don't feel nervousness. Of course, I do for a lot of auditions and callbacks. I feel, I feel it running through my body. Nobody else would see it, but I feel it, and I just use that to give me more energy during the read. So my number one goal, I want to have a good time. My second goal is I want to learn from the experience. Sometimes I walk out of auditions and I think, hey, I did everything I wanted to do in there. It felt good to me. And I've also come to learn that doing a great audition and booking the job are two completely different things. There are, and just like with any kind of job out there, being the most qualified person doesn't get you the job it you know certainly it's helpful but you know there are so many factors that go into getting hired and not getting hired that i don't necessarily correlate doing a great audition and booking the job so uh sometimes i walk out and i think boy i really blew that one i just didn't do a very good job with it and uh, i'll try to figure out what went wrong what i could do differently next time around and then my my third goal i mean if i happen to book it to me, that's just kind of icing on the cake. And, and I think that's, that's a really good lesson that I've learned that, once again, whether I'm auditioning for an acting or modeling job or I'm trying to get a job with a company, I would use the exact same frame of mind for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to go back to what you were saying, all those other people in the room auditioning with you, you're there like at a, I mean, you're, you find the best attitude is they're your friends, not your enemies. Now, when you were talking about the other people, now, were you referring to like, the other uh, people actors? applying? Yeah, oh, okay. all the ones that have come to apply for the same thing. Okay, so here's, here's, what, here's what I do, because I tell you, if you've never been to an audition, it's a very interesting experience. Uh, not only when you actually walk into the casting director's room to really read but the step before that, when you were sitting in the waiting room with all mm-hmm. these other people, and yes. it, it can be a fascinating study where you've got some people who are just analyzing everybody who walks in. 
Uh-oh, that guy's about the same height as me. Uh-oh, that guy looks kind of looks like me. Uh-oh, I've seen that guy on a TV show. I'm never going to get this job. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm going to go over and talk to this guy because I'm going to distract him so uh, he won't be able to really prepare as well, so he won't have as good of a... There is a lot of stuff. And then you get the people who are just the schmoozers who just like to walk around and talk to everybody. And and then you get the people who will walk out of the audition, which and this is it's kind of sad for me to see. And when they've just finished walking out and they're walking into the room where all the other actors are waiting, you know, and you hear, hey, guys, don't even bother auditioning. I, I just booked it. You guys might as well go home. You know, you get that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> Even if it's not true. Oh, it's not true. No, no, no. They're just lying. That's not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just talking about how great they are. And you know what it comes down to? There, there are a lot of people in this world who are very insecure. And insecurity comes out in many different ways. You know, it, it really does. Sometimes people lash out. Sometimes people do things in negative ways that really harm them with their insecurity. Uh, they put themselves down. Uh, you know, you go into an audition, the casting director says, hey, so tell me, what have you been doing recently? Oh, nothing. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. that's not a real, you know, whether it's true not or not. Not a good answer. Not a good answer. Um, and so what I typically do, and it's not that I am an asocial kind of person or I'm stuck up and I don't want anything to do with other people, but I do remove myself from that whole scene. And either I will kind of hide in a corner, I will turn away from people, and I'm just preparing. You know, I'm thinking about what I want to do Getting in there. Mind. Yeah, taking some deep Getting. breaths and really giving myself my best chance at this audition. Now, once I'm done, sure, then I'm fine with walking out. Hey, how you doing? Haven't seen you for a while. You know, how's the family and stuff like that. Um, but typically, before before I actually walk in there, you know, I try to get into a zone and really concentrate on what I'm planning on doing. And when I walk, as a matter of fact, it's a, I'm so glad you brought this up because I, I do a lot of video blogs and it's called a mm -hmm. quick tip series that I have. And anybody who's on my email list and it's all free, I just send it out and I just shot one and sent it out today. But I just did one the other day. And the title was something like this is when you should always lie to a casting director. And it was based on experience I had on Friday. And I had to drive well, it's about like... You're still learning, apparently. I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I spent about two and a half hours driving to an audition. And uh, there was a tremendous amount of traffic. I've been to this casting director's place a lot of times. There was traffic. There was construction. There was no parking available. Everything was blocked off. And I gave myself plenty of time, which I always do. So I, I wasn't late, but I was like circling this place like for 20 minutes. This is after already driving two and a half hours and being in traffic. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is horrible. I can't. You know, it's just it feels miserable. And I walked into the casting director's room and she said, hey, Aaron, how you doing? I said, great, great. It's great to be here. That's the time you lie to the casting director because they don't want to hear your problems. They might ask you. Mm -hmm. And once again, I'm sure this holds true for any kind of meeting that you have. And most people don't want to hear your problems. They don't. You're 100% <laughs> right. 
You know, they try to sound very sincere. Hey, how how are things? How are you? They don't want to hear about, you know, your daughter just, you know, got suspended from school or, you know, things are happening. You're, you mm-hmm. know, they really don't. They are there to do a job. They are casting something. And so that is a great opportunity to have a little game plan in he- ahead of time so that if you walk in there and they say to you, hey, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? What have you been doing recently? You know what you're going to say. And it's going to be something very positive. Maybe it's something, you know, that's connected with the project. I remember going to, they're called GOCs. It's kind of silly, but a GOCI is the audition for models. And I don't know if they think that we're not very bright and we have to be reminded what we're doing. So when you get a phone call, that means you go and you're seen. So they call them go-sees. Make sure you're dressed right. And so. Yeah. And so I went to this go-see, and the, uh, I, I knew it was a, uh, an outdoor shoot. They were shooting, uh, it's supposed to be a husband and wife, and we are traveling. We're on vacation someplace. And, and I was sitting by the door uh, where everybody was walking in, and I was actually, I overheard what was being asked of all the talent. And they were asked, so what have you done recently? And people were talking about, well, I did this movie. I did this television show. I worked with this director. And, and I just thought, you know what? The latest thing I did was a hemorrhoid ad, and it's really not all that exciting. So <laughs> uh, what I did was I, went, I walked in there, and they said, hey, so what have you done recently? And I said, well, I, I went camping with my family. Everything that I talked about was outdoor stuff. And it wasn't really true. I mean, I have, you know, I have gone camping, but I didn't do it recently. It was a couple of years um, from that time period. And I just decided to relate everything that I talked about. I didn't want to talk about business because I figured, look, everybody's talking about these, you know, incredible things that they've done. So Mm. what am I going to try to top everybody, you know, and say, uh, oh, yeah, I just uh, decided to uh, uh, work with Steven Spielberg. But I, I turned him down. I just didn't think it was very good. Uh, so anyhow, I, I just um, I didn't talk about business, just talked about doing outdoors things. And now, the ad was about outdoors. Well, it was a it was a product that was being made in Germany and the husband and wife were traveling the world um, and it was just showing these people and how happy they were. And so we actually did the shoot. This was unbelievable. We actually shot in Hawaii and we were supposed to be just vacationing and we were a very happy couple. And uh, that's what that's uh, what was taking place. So, yeah, the shot was you, outdoors. You picked the right subject matter for that interview, didn't you? <laughs> I certainly did. And and that's something I think that I think is really helpful. You know, once again, whether it's for, you know, acting or modeling or or for any kind of business, if you're going for an interview, really plan out your strategies that are unrelated to the job set and the actual skills that you need and try to connect it, you know, with whatever business uh, you're trying to work in. But do the research. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And, And you know what? And when you're saying do the research, and that's also a great point. Whenever you are called to audition for, let's say, a television show, you have got to watch the show. You've got to be very familiar with the characters. You've got to know the pacing of the show. Is this a drama? Is it a comedy? Is it something that's over the top? And something that I also 
uh, teach people that if you're auditioning for a film, look up the director. And there's a great website for people. It's called IMDB, Internet Movie Database. And you can just do a search for the director. It will list all the projects that the director has worked on. And that way, you can do some background work to see what style the director shoots in. So that way, you will be much more prepared for your audition with this director. That website is imend.com? No, I-M-D. So it's Internet I-M-Movie-D Database, D-B. I-M-D-B.com. Dot com. Okay. You can also look up actors there. It's, it's really it's an incredible uh, tool for people who want to learn about anything in the industry. All right. That's a, a good piece of information there. So uh, let's talk about what you could do for our folks. Um, you do private consultations. You have group consultations. What, what, what sort of thing can they do if they wanted to work with you? Aaron? Sure. So. I, I mean, I, I've given over 600 workshops, uh, in-person workshops, but over the last number of years, I started doing a lot more uh, online mentoring. And so uh, there are programs that I use. We can see each other. Uh, we can share monitors. And basically, I prefer to work with people one-on-one so that way I can really learn about what your needs are Mm-hmm. And we can visit uh, agents' websites in your area. We can go through them to make sure which ones would be right for you. Uh, we can talk about which places you definitely do not want to contact. So you know some of them that there's some bad ones out there is what oh, you're yeah, saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's like with any business. There are people who run scams. And and unfortunately, in, in, in our business, in the acting and modeling business, there are people, and honestly, how these people sleep at night, I don't know, but they know what to say to you. They know how to push your buttons. They know what you want to hear. Like, for instance, if I did not want to do things in, a, in an honest way, I'd be saying to you, Ken, look, you've got a great look. I know you can make a lot of money. Sign up for my mentoring programs. I'm telling you. You are you're going to quit your job. You are going to be making more money than you ever thought of. You're going to see your name, you know, and I could go on and on and on. Unlight in lights. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and the reality is, and I make this very clear that I cannot guarantee anybody work. You know, you could study with me. I I wrote a book, How to Become a Successful Commercial Model, which is a great book. Uh, It will give you a tremendous amount of information. But I cannot guarantee you work because nobody can. I can't guarantee work for myself. I mean, I've done over 1,200 jobs so far, but there's no guarantee that I am Mm -hmm. ever going to book a job again for the rest of my life. Now, Mm -hmm. that would be very upsetting for me and my family, but there is no guarantee. The one thing that I can guarantee, though, is I can give you the information that you need to have the success that you want. Now, you've got to work at it. You know, you have got to uh, practice. You've got to learn how to put together the right photos, which I will teach you how to do. 
um, how to you know very specifically market yourself. Learn about the business side of the of the industry. Do you need a manager? What does a manager do? What does the casting director do? How much money should you put into headshots? How to put together your resume? Resumes are very very different for the acting industry than in other you know businesses. So yeah, I, I really fine tune and hone the uh, mentoring program to the individual. And I have both a two-week program or a four-week program. All the information, if you just go to my website, it's howtomodel.com. That's H-O-W-T-O-M-O-D-E-L.com. You can click on workshops and you can read about uh, the mentoring um, there as well. And um, yeah, it's really great. And, and it gives me an opportunity, which is so cool, to work with people literally around the world. I've worked with people uh, throughout Europe, in Dubai, and Australia. Uh, actually, I did an in-person workshop in South Africa a couple months ago, which is really very interesting to me. And uh, I've been to Mexico doing workshops. But uh, online, yeah, I, I can work with people anywhere. And I also do monthly online workshops. And there's a different topic every month. Quite often, I have guest speakers. And once again, people can read about that at howtomodel.com. And I even have a season pass program where you save over 70% of the cost when you sign up to be a season pass member. All right. Now, is there a particular email that you want to give out or sure. just go to your website? Sure. Look, I make myself very available to people. Uh, and I, I knew what it was like for me when I first got started. And it was hard. I did not have people I could turn to and say, look, I don't know what I'm doing here. Can you, you know, could you help me out? Could you explain some things? And I spent a lot of years spinning my wheels, spending money in areas I probably didn't need to and shouldn't have. So, yes, um, I'm more than happy, whether it's a, you know, a paid thing or not, just to try to help somebody get going. So if you want to reach me, you can either go to howtomodel.com and you can reach me there. Uh, I'm also uh, at facebook.com forward slash how to model, but you can also reach me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at howtomodel.com. And uh, if you do visit uh, howtomodel.com, you can sign up free to be on my mailing list, and I send out great acting and modeling information. You also get three videos free that will be really, really helpful to you. And so I, I do what I can, you know, to to try to help. Other Excellent. People. Excellent. No, it, it's uh, what you're offering. And the one from what you were saying, here's what came to my mind. There is so much money in this field, just like attorney's field. You know, there you get can draw all kinds of <laughs> unsavory people to certain fields. And in the acting field, now you got to worry about, well, is the agency ever going to pay? It sounds like <laughs> if you go to the wrong one. Uh, or are you going to be paying them? <laughs> right. Uh, or did you go to the right uh, photography studio? Because I'm sure there's lots of them that have no idea what they're doing, but they're promoting themselves as if they did. So you've got a lot of pitfalls here, and with with, with your help, uh, it could save them some serious money, it sounds like. Well, not only can, can I save you a tremendous amount of money, um, I can also give you your best chance for success because what happens uh, a lot of times yes. is that people will go and you mentioned photographers. So let's say you go to a photographer and even if the photographer 
takes a beautiful or beautiful shots of you, they might not be photos that sell you well. And those are two very different things. So technically, mm -hmm. the shot might be great, but if it's not the right shot for you, it's not the right category, it doesn't bring out your personality that's going to sell you, then you just wasted a tremendous amount of money. And typically, that's what does happen for people. And then they start submitting their photos. Agents aren't interested because it's not in the right format or it doesn't really mm -hmm. look right. And mm -hmm. then people just drop out. That happens all the time. And it's, it's a shame because there are so many people who have real potential, have interesting looks. They just didn't have the right information and they never gave themselves a real chance to try to work in the business. Excellent. And I can attest to that where my son, he used to do all the modeling for Sears, JCPenney. Really? That's incredible. Yeah, now he did that when, when he was like 10 years old, yeah, no, 10, and where, 11, and where, 12. Where were you living at the time? In, in Toronto. In Toronto. And, we, and this was 30 years ago or whatever, 25 years, 30 years ago. And we were getting 40 or $50 an hour, I think is what it was. Mm -hmm. Of course, you had to get yourself to downtown Toronto and then you had to wait in line. And I mean, I don't think we made any money. We gave, gave him all the money anyway, so we didn't make anything for sure. <laughs> I mean, we just thought that's all there is to modeling, these brochures and uh, you know, advertising and not realizing you know, where else he, cause he had a great face, a great personality. He was, he was really good for probably a lot of things that we probably missed, but with your information, we wouldn't have. Well, I tell you now, were you actually in Toronto or Mississauga? No, we went right uh, downtown Toronto. We lived in Oakville, okay. which is down on the water there in Lake, Lake Ontario. And, uh, we had to drive in, uh, like an hour to downtown uh -huh. uh, Toronto to some agency that, uh, that did all the, the photo shoots. I remember there. Um, well, first of all, Toronto is the biggest city for the commercial world throughout Canada. Vancouver would be for TV and film. And, mm -hmm. and then Montreal is for the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. So you were living kind of like in the New York of Canada. of Canada for commercial work. And, mm -hmm. and I remember there was a, a, an agency, I don't even think they're around anymore, called Armstrong. And it was a great commercial agency. They did a lot of work. Toronto, and still, it's a really, really good market. Good market, yeah. But we've, uh, we haven't been there for 25 years or whatever when we, that was some of the last things we did there. Now we're in the Clearwater area and this, you know, I, I would imagine they must do a few commercials around here for, uh, vacationing. Oh, I would imagine. I'm sure. And you must really miss those winters, I'm sure. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I, what would be your last Words of wisdom, Aaron, for, for our people to, to help them decide, hey, maybe I can do this. Sure. Now, I, I don't know if there's really anything that I say is really considered wisdom, but for last parting remarks, at least. Okay. Here's, here's my thought. When I decided to pursue acting and modeling, I had no idea if I was going to have success. What I did know was that if I didn't try it, Every time I saw a movie, every time I'd watch a television show or see an ad in a magazine or a newspaper, it would gnaw at me. I'd always be wondering, I wonder if I could have done it. I wonder if this is something that would have been fun. And I knew that it would haunt me for the rest of my life. And I would have been fine giving it a shot and just completely failing at it. And just saying, well, you know what? It just didn't work out for me. Mm -hmm. I could live with that. 
but not giving it a try, I couldn't. And so for anybody who, you know, whether they had fantasies of doing, you know, acting or modeling 30 years ago and thought, no, but, you know, right now I'm, I'm too old or, you know, I know my kids, maybe they're out of the house now, but really, I mean, how could I put, look, if the interest is there, try it out. And, and I know that most of the people that I work with are women. And for a lot of women, they tell me it's a very similar story. They've always done things for other people. And now they've gotten to a point where they decide, you know what, I want to do something fun for myself. And so Great. really, if the thought is there, give it a shot, look into it, see what's out there whether it's me or anybody else, get some help to, you know, somebody who who's in the industry who can really help guide you and get the information. And, and that way, do something fun for yourself. Love it. <laughs> I mean, I think you're making a lot of us feel bad that we, we thought of doing this stuff a long time ago, but didn't. But well, there's still time. It's never too late. <laughs> hey, it's not too late. You're breathing. You can do it. That should be my next <laughs> motto. You're breathing. You can do it. Yes, that is good. Well, thank you very much, Aaron. You've really been generous with your time and, and generous with your, your knowledge and information. And I can see you're you know, the type of person that likes to help others, period. That's just part of your personality, which is can be rare these days. <laughs> but thank you again. And I look forward to speaking to you maybe a few months down the line and, and, and interviewing you again if you're available. Absolutely, Ken. Anytime. This was a pleasure. And anything that I can do to help you or help anybody else, always feel free to contact me. And sure, I'd love to do another interview whenever you need me. All right. Thanks. Sure. Thanks again. Bye. All right. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Income for Baby Boomers with your host, Ken Queen. Helping boomers like you get a business started, you can run from your own home. We interview owners of both online and offline businesses, but most importantly, ones that are run by baby boomers. Stay tuned next week for new and exciting businesses that you can start from your home. Until next time, have a profitable and blessed week.